Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I realize that a lot of us have traveled today, um, several hours, most of you, and uh, those of you who have been out of town, and I realize that uh, there's a little bit of fatigue, and so I hope you don't mind. This will be a brief lesson this evening. Understand, you got to read your audience, right? That's, that's important. Really glad that you're here this evening. It's really important for people of faith to see with two sets of eyes. When you look at life, when you look at reality, you can see things as they are. You see things as everybody perceives them. But if you believe in the Lord, if you are a Christian, you also need to learn to see the unseen. There are promises that God has made that have not yet been realized. There are assurances and there are covenants that God has established that have not yet been seen. And it's important for Christians to see the unseen. Listen to a couple of passages from Scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. We, Christians, look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Christians look not just at what everybody else sees, although that's real, that's, that's something we need to acknowledge. We look at the unseen as well. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. When we put our faith in God, we're saying, God, I believe you, I trust you, I know that your promises will come to pass even though I don't yet see some of the things that you've promised. Hebrews 11 verse three, same passage. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen, Hebrews writer says, was not made out of things that are visible. It's important, you see, to see both what is visible and what is invisible. Again, Hebrews 11 verse seven, by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Specifically, Noah, there's gonna be a flood. Nobody had ever seen a flood like was coming in Noah's day, but Noah was warned by God. And so in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Faith is about seeing the unseen. It's about seeing as God sees and looking at his promises and looking at his word and believing that what God says is true, not just what things perceived are, are, are all about, but, but what God says is what really matters. As Christians, we want to see the unseen. Open your Bibles this evening to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. I just want to share with you briefly this evening something that I observed as, as I was studying this particular section of Scripture, and I think it'll help all of us to remember this lesson about seeing the unseen. In Genesis 25, it's one of those passages that we kind of you know, like in, in America, we have the flyover states, the states that, you know, nobody wants to go and visit and you just fly over them. This is one of those flyover type passages. There are other things to think about, other things in scripture to pay attention to. And why should I really be concerned with the family line of Ishmael? 
But I want you to look in Genesis 25, beginning at about verse 12, what you find is the genealogy of Ishmael. And if you remember from your Old Testament history, Ishmael was the son of Abraham and Hagar. Abraham and Sarah had trouble conceiving. For a long time, they had trouble conceiving. And so Sarah and Abraham concocted this idea, maybe if I had a child, Abraham says, with this other woman, your handmaiden, maybe that would be the fulfillment of God's promise. And so Ishmael was conceived and he was Abraham's son, although not Sarah's son. He was not the child of promise. And what's interesting as you look at Genesis 25 is the Bible gives us a pretty detailed list of what happened to Ishmael's descendants. Ishmael, it says in Genesis chapter 25 verses 12 through 18 has 12 sons. It calls them in verse 16, 12 princes according to their nations. And I've got on the screen there that it's kind of a dull list. What are we supposed to do with this as Bible students? Why would God be so concerned with Ishmael and his descendants that he would put a list of all their names, especially at this point in scripture? We're into Genesis 25 now. Isaac, the son of promise has already been born. Aha, but right next to this family tree of Ishmael with his 12 sons and all of their descendants, you know it's gonna be a mighty nation that Ishmael is the father of. Right next to that we find the family tree of Isaac. Look if you would at verse 19. So starting in verse 12, all the way through verse 18, you've got Ishmael's family tree. Then starting in verse 19, juxtaposed right next to Ishmael's family tree, you've got Isaac's family tree. And it looks different. As a matter of fact, Isaac married a woman named Rebekah and they had trouble conceiving too. It says in Genesis 25 and verse 20 that Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah. And if you'll look down at Genesis 25 verse 26, Genesis 25, 26, he was 60 years old when he finally had children. They had twins, Jacob and Esau. So for 20 years, Isaac and Rebekah tried to conceive children. And it's almost like an exact replay of what happened with Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah went for decades without having a child. And then finally Isaac was born. And now Isaac literally goes for decades without having children. And Isaac's the son of promise. Larry read in our, in our scripture reading this evening, Genesis 12, verses one through three, where God told Abraham, I'm gonna make you the father of a mighty nation. I'm gonna make you the father of a multitude. And I'm gonna bless those who bless you. And I'm gonna curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God had promised that to Abraham. And God had said, Isaac is the child of promise. Isaac's the one that's gonna continue this promise in the world. And what you have here in Genesis 25 are two family trees and Ishmael's doing great, and Isaac's really struggling. Let's bring the picture into focus. Ishmael, if you wanna think about it this way, what's the scripture telling us about Isaac and Ishmael? Ishmael is representative of, if you wanna think about it this way, the people of this age. When you look around, you'll see people who are Apart from God, they are people who have no interest in spiritual things and yet they find power 
and they find prominence and they find wealth and they find fame. They have nothing to do with God. They have no interest in serving God, but they find these things in the world and what they have is very impressive and what they have looks very imposing. And as Christians, we can look at people like that and think, you know, maybe we've missed something. They're doing so well. Look at, look at the people of this age and what they represent. Ishmael is kind of representative of that. He's not the child of promise, but look at how well he's doing. And then on the other hand, you've got Isaac. He and Rebecca are trying over and over to conceive children. And finally, finally, they have Jacob and Esau. But in comparison to Ishmael, Isaac and his family look very fragile. Think about those 20 years, Isaac and Rebekah have no children. Is God really gonna come through for us? Is he really gonna deliver for us? It looks very flimsy and they're very few in number and that's important. The faithful of God, the people of God's covenant have always been few in number and they're foreigners. Isaac and Rebekah lived in a land that was not their own. They were sojourners and pilgrims. And that just looks really backwards. Because if God's blessing the world through Abraham and if God's blessing the world through Isaac, why isn't Isaac doing better? Why isn't Isaac and Rebekah's family tree more impressive than Ishmael's family tree? We need as the people of God to hold on to the promises of God. It's what you don't see that counts. The things that God has said that others are not counting on, others are not thinking about, those promises matter. We need to see the unseen. Couple of reflections. Reflection number one is simply this. Do not be overly upset as you look at the world around you and you look at the church isn't it interesting that we often look a great deal like Isaac and Rebecca when the church doesn't seem to be flourishing and I put that in quotes what does it really mean for the church to flourish anyway what does the Bible have to say about that what I think the church ought to ought to do and what the Bible says the church ought to do may be two very different things But when the church doesn't seem to be flourishing, when the church looks in many places like it's been beaten down and looks like nothing compared to the powers of the world, I mean, look at what's happening in Europe and look at what's happening in other parts of the world and even in this country. And it looks like things are just really looking bad for the covenant people, the people of the promise. Oh, and did you know that the Bible makes a direct connection between you and Abraham? Galatians 3 verse 29, study that for your homework. We're still part of that promise. We're inheritors of that promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. But Jesus said about the church, he said about the kingdom, it is like a mustard seed. It doesn't look very impressive, but in God's hands, in God's design, in God's way, the church will flourish and thrive in ways that matter. Don't be very surprised when the church doesn't look impressive to the world. And even in our eyes, when the church doesn't seem to be flourishing. God's promises matter. And God has said some very critical and important things about the nature of the church and what it is. Second reflection is this, and the lesson will be yours. God very often does things much different 
than we would. It makes so much sense to me if, 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 if God would do things differently, but God chooses to do the things the way God chooses to do them. With Isaac and Rebecca, doesn't it seem like he does things the hard way and the weak way and the slow way and the steady way? Doesn't it seem like that's what he's doing with Isaac and Rebecca? And there's their family tree and all they get is two boys and there's Ishmael and he gets 12 sons and this mighty family and Isaac and Rebecca, when they have a family dinner, it's just the four of them, you know? But God does things much differently than we would. That's why he's God and we're not. The people who belong to God need to learn to see the unseen. It's what God has written in his word, the promises that he's made to us that we put our faith and our trust and our hope and our confidence in because those things have been spoken by God and those things matter. As you carry Genesis 25 around with you, remember to see the unseen. Don't judge according to appearances. Judge in such a way that you put your faith and trust and hope in the promises and the word of God. That's the message of Genesis 25. If you're here tonight and we can help you obey the gospel or if you need to respond and ask for prayers, if there's anything we can do in a public way, won't you make your way down the aisle tonight while together we stand and while we sing.